You're listening to the ConsumerFi Podcast, powered by Norridge, loan software that accelerates change. Hey, everybody. It's Joel Kennedy with the uh, ConsumerFi Podcast. I apologize for not being there every week. We're getting into the holidays here, but I'm going to make it worth your while. We have Michael Buckingham, who's with JD Power. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me this uh, this Friday. So folks that know me know that I really grok any kind of market data, uh, surveillance reports, all those types of things. Michael, I had I you know I, I sat through some of the other overall market presentations and some of the conferences, but I had the luxury of being able to sit in yours at Used Car Week. I, I had not known you. I had not really sat through, I think, many of your presentations, but I was really stoked to hear the presentation and how you broke down all the statistics because there's so many things that are that are just different than what we've seen in the past. And so I said, Michael, I got to have you on the podcast. So thank you for, thank you for. Well, well, well thanks. And I, and I do have to say at JD Power, I have a large supporting cast that helps me put everything together, Joel. I know you do. And I want to know about that. So Michael, tell me about, you know, a little bit about yourself and the cool stuff that you guys are doing at, at JD Power. No, sounds great, Joel. So uh, for folks that don't know me out there, uh, Mike Buckingham, I'm the practice leader, JD Power. I manage our uh, PIN navigator group. PIN, if you're not familiar uh, with the acronym, is our power information network. We've got a couple of products in that set. The one I manage is PIN Navigator. There's another one called Explore. You know, high level, we get data from uh, a, a large uh, a large population of U.S. auto dealers. It pipes through their DMS system. So in the finance side, we know all kinds of transactional data from buy rate to sell rate to loan terms to uh, market share by lender. And you know, as you can imagine, the DMS. Uh, on the auto side, a lot of data that we drive out on transaction prices and incentives and trading values and things like that. The, the presentation today that Joe and I are going to talk about is really a combination of, of, of a few legs. The PIN Navigator, which is originations data, partner with TransUnion. And if you need portfolio data, that's what I've got a stereo at TransUnion. We have the origination data. We also, from our uh, PIN Explorer and forecasting team, have a, a wide variety of data on the uh, new car market scene. Some of you may know uh, JD Power, it's been probably about five years ago, we purchased the NAD used car guide. In about the last year, we we also uh, acquired ALG, the residual setting company. So part of my presentation, when I speak to the used car market, and, and Joel may have some questions, we'll really drive off of Jonathan Banks and the used car team and Eric Lyman and the ALG team. Puts together, and obviously I impressed Joel, I hope I impress everybody today. <laughs> I think it's great just to have these different points of view, different perspectives. Sometimes it's, you know, your data sets are just a little bit different. You know, it's it's a nice little hack to be able to see all points. Yeah. So, and, and for us, Joel, I'll just throw in, I mean, we're really, we're real-time data. We refresh, we get, we get data from the auto dealers every day and obviously auction sources and things like that. We're saying, you know, so our, our, our data is very, very current. So for folks that are on the on the audio only presentation, we're going to walk you through what we're talking about. But if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, we love you. Thanks for checking out YouTube, but you'll be able to see the presentation. For folks that are hearing this and say, geez, I'm a visual person. I'm not going to mess with YouTube, Joel. You're annoying me. I'm going to make it easy. It's michael.buckingham at jdpa.com. Shoot him an email. Guys, we're, we're working from home, but it doesn't mean we can't like pick up the phone, give people a call, shoot an email. He'll send you Absolutely. the deck. He's, he's happy Absolutely. to do so. We started here. 
this one I, I just kind of zeroed in on because there's a good, there's a story right here in this, in this, in this kind of, you know, the daily selling daily rate. Sell rate uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, cause you can see we had some strength here and then it's, it's starting to come down. Whereas every other thing we're looking at new, new retail inventory is obviously scarce. The, the wholesale values are driving uh, the grosses, the dealers are making a lot of money incentive spending way down. If you're a buyer, not the best time to buy a car, maybe unless you had a trade that you can make a lot of money off and then it just kind of equalizes. But this daily selling rate was the one that I said, okay, there's a story to tell because in 2021, we had some strength and now it's starting to come back down to earth. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'd say, Joe, probably the, the biggest key on that slide is if you look at the top middle and the new retail inventory really, really falling dramatically. I sat in a meeting yesterday. We now looked at November data. This is, uh, I think this is September data we yeah. have up here. We see the average inventory is about 25 days industry-wide. So when you have a little inventory clearly affecting the daily selling rate, dealers have nothing to sell. With, with nothing to sell new, and we'll talk about used cars later, if you don't have new vehicles to sell, well, then you need to get used vehicles and sell. And that's why the trade-in values are so high because dealers are buying up all the used cars they can't. They, they, they've got to stock their shelves. Um, if, if you look on the bottom, uh, you know, really a, c- a couple of interesting dynamics. In, incentive spending per unit, when the manufacturers have little inventory, to sell, how much incentives do you need? You can see yeah, it's yeah. falling dramatically. And if you look at the, the the bright blue, you can see the uptick last year where we were in COVID and all of a sudden you poured money on to try to stimulate the business. Yeah. Uh, the middle one, consumer facing transaction prices continue to grow. Some of it due to mix. I mean, we are a truck and SUV centric market. As I like to tell people anecdotally, if you're a large manufacturer and you have two chips, uh, are you going to put them in a sixty dollars or $70,000 plus vehicle or are you going to put them in a $20,000 vehicle? And I, I think we all know the answer. Yeah. Uh, then the right-hand side vehicle gross uh, just off the charts. This slide is data, Joel. Uh, again, with September, we now show about 99% of all new vehicles sold or sold at or above MSRP. There, there is virtually zero discounting. Gross profits are very strong and you've got some selected vehicles. You know, it was mentioned on our internal call yesterday, a Kia Telluride, for example, a lot of dealers are getting $10,000 over list price. Uh, if you're familiar with Mercedes G-Wagon, the market is now $100,000 over MSRP. <laughs> Man, you got to be an enthusiast to kind of buy at those prices. I don't know. We were looking at sales performance for the month of September. This is still new. We'll get into some used and then and then some other origination, wholesale and then origination, but sales are down. Yeah. You know, we saw overall and, and, and when we track the industry on a year over year basis, and this was September, and we're seeing similar patterns emerging for October and November, uh, sales were off 25%. Right. Uh, non-retail, we're down 31%. Uh, again, I go to the analogy about chips and inventory. If you're a large manufacturer, you have limited supply to build, does it go to your retail dealers or does or does it go to the dealer rental companies? And I think we all know the answer right there. Yeah. Uh, it's lower margin business, those non-retail sales. So that's been falling. Demand is back with the rental car companies. I think it, people are back traveling, but uh, they're on tight supply. The, the SAR fell to 12 million units, and that's the uh, annual selling rate, about 4,000 units below last year. Mm. Non-re- non-retail, again, was off 31%. And really that accounted for 11% 
of the 25% industry sales drop-off. Yeah, so and then retail fared, retail was fairly well. It's not as bad as that headline number. Yeah, we're trying to, and, and year to date, we're doing better than 2020. So we're kind of yes, yes. You know, heading in the right direction. Yes. That was a big theme I definitely picked up. Talking about the different makes and models that people are buying, Michael, yeah, this is a great graph. So you can kind of see yeah. where we're, we're kind of growing and then where we're declining. You know, as I said before, I mean, if you look at the, the, the segment share on the monthly side or, or on the year to date side on the right, I mean, we are, we are SUV and truck centric, uh, top vehicles, midsize SUV, compact, large pickup, small SUV, you know, then compact car is about in the sixth or seventh place right there, holding steady. Some of this, Joel, uh, when we look at it is again, uh, it's not as what's deceiving about some of these charts is they don't speak as much to consumer demand as they speak to to supply in the pipeline. Yeah. Right? Some are better than others. I know uh, article in Automotive News this week talked about Subaru is is just, you know, they're on a five-day supply of vehicles. They are so backed up. They're basically on order to delivery right now. They have no inventory. Incentives we mentioned earlier, way Incentives down. Falling like a rock. And you can see the, the three prior periods. You had some seasonality. You see the uptick in 2020 when we fought back at Fought back COVID uh, soft sales. You can see, you know, the incentives again. That's the our uh, our walk chart. It's really it's not segment mix. It's really just incentive value. It's dropping, and then relative to MSRP, we've been traditionally in years past anywhere from maybe on a low of eight percent to about a high of a twelve percent uh, is the average incentive spend as a percentage of MSRP. You can see it's it's almost down to zero now. Yeah, I, I I sometimes wish that I was in college studying economics during this whole thing because it would be so easy to put together graphs and charts and reports. It's just so obvious that the fundamentals of demand and supply at play here. Why am I going to give incentives if if I can charge people well over MSRP? Right, right. You don't need to move the market when you have a limited inventory. That's that probably is the easiest way to say it. You know? The transaction prices, Michael. Yeah, yeah. 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 and this, this is a good one to really, we, we do it in three pieces. The obvious on the left-hand side, you can see the, the average new vehicle. And this is this is the consumer-facing transaction price. This is, M, this is not MSRP. This is what the consumer actually signed up for or wrote a check for. Uh, these numbers almost to 44,000, 43,000. In the middle, we, we we talk about the walk on a year over year basis. Why did it go up from 36,000 to 44? And you can see partly segment mix, uh, vehicle cost, much lower incentives, but then look at the the, the last bar, dealer profit. Dealers yeah. are just not discounting the vehicles. Which, you know, I mean, when I look at what they had to deal with in 2020, I hope there's a little bit of, you know, making up for lost, lost time. Right. Right, right. The last one, Joel, let me just point out to you if you can go back a second. Yeah. If you look at that chart on the prior page, you can see the consumer facing transaction price is relative to MSRP. We've got three year periods and you can see one of them starts to climb and that's actually 2020 worst demand. But if we look at 19 and 18, uh, the average consumer paid 84% of MSRP when it was all said and done after incentives and things like that. Now we're, we're, we have approached 99%. You know, and we're we're more than likely going to cross it because vehicles are being sold above MSRP. That never, never seen before, Joe. No, no one has ever seen this. So here we have like kind of an overall scorecard, Michael, that I really like. You know, what what do you see as the big takeaways on this one? 
Yeah, you know, again, uh, strong retail sales versus 2020. We are concerned about the inventory the remaining months of the year. We, we we're down to now December. We're we're going to be up a little bit. Uh, huge lift in transaction prices. Record-setting viewer gross profit. There's never been a better time to be an automobile dealer right now. Touched on before. Huge reduction in incentives. And we do see a declining lease mix. Uh, at this period on a year-to-date, we were showing leasing was about slightly less than 25% of the market. Our November data shows us leasing is now down to 20%. Leasing has a lot of incentives in there. Partly the manufacturers have cut back incentives and partly vehicle sales. Uh, it's it's a mix, you know, how much, how much is available out there. We, we see the lending terms continue to increase, aiding affordability. Uh, we see subprime uh, originations are compressed. They've not fallen off the map, but, but there is less subprime as a percentage of the total. The loan values, though, this is the interesting one. When I tell you transaction prices are up 20%, the first thing you're going to say is, well, gosh, I guess the lenders must be doing a lot of over advances. And that's that is absolutely incorrect. The reverse has happened. The loan to values that the lenders are providing their consumers are actually dropping. And that's mm. amazing. A huge piece has to do with that much improved trade in equity right there. Yeah, that's that's one that that I think for me is kind of the risk-based canary in a coal mine. And if we can control those LTVs, I think it strengthens the portfolio quality for the for the right. for the paper holders. You know, terms are a little longer, uh, but I, I would say folks that have been around a long time, whether you make a loan for sixty or eighty-four months, the average consumer somewhere around month forty-two wants to trade in. So they're they're you know it's they're not we're not losing customers for seven years and keeping them out of the market. Consumers are going to trade. It's really just an affordability play. So the, I like I like this uh, summary slide, Mike, yeah. where you yeah. kind of look in at the the kind of overall year. Clearly, uh, production driven sales, no demand shortfalls forecasted due to limited. You know, this is we, we know we have, and that's when we back up that fourteen one in retail sales with a total of sixteen four. Our retailer profit, I touched on, likely the best ever. I mean, it is the best ever. We just haven't closed out the year. And then for the OEMs, uh, likewise, the great profit out there. They've never had numbers like this before. Very very profitable for the auto, auto manufacturers. There are some spot concerns out there. You have certain brands that have really been capacity constrained, but overall in the big picture, the OEMs are very profitable and you can see it in their stock prices. Michael, I don't know if we talked about this, but I think about the supply chain issue, but then there's also just getting the delivery of, of units and parts and all those things. And I know we have this backlog with ships yeah, that I, aren't able to come into Harbor. Like You've got some of that. One of the things that I'll use, uh, you know, I actually, I'm in South Orange County and a few days of the week, I can see container ships off offshore and they're probably 30 miles from the port of Long Beach. Typically, the car carriers are going into unique ports. Uh, I think everybody's aware of the port of Long Beach in California, the, the, the LA port. It's Port Wainimi, which is about 40 miles north of LA where the cars come into. They've been getting off pretty good. The only thing I would say, Joel, is you do have some delays with train and you do have some delays we're hearing about trucks. It's a great time to be a, a long haul truck driver because there's a, there's a huge demand for those people. The, the chips are the big driver. You've still got some issues with some of the suppliers. You have to think basically 14 months ago, the suppliers who build so many components and so many pieces of these vehicles, I mean, they basically shut down for three months and then everybody at once came on board. It's just like everybody leaving the parking lot of a football game. You know, it takes yeah. a long time to 
to, to, to clear itself up. Golf ball through the hose, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So for our used car enthusiasts, we're going to start getting into it here. We're looking at a slide showing the JD Power used vehicle price index. And it, I mean, if this was a stock portfolio, I'd feel pretty happy. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one thing if, if for, for your audience, Joe, if they may see, uh, I would say uh, different views, you know, when we look at this index, we go back eight model years old, uh, up to eight model years. Some, some, you'll see some charts out there that may have all the vehicles, but we we look at more of the current, the the the, the current year used back to eight years old. But uh, you know, again, mind boggling. Uh, year over year, uh, the index is up uh, over you know twenty or over thirty five percent. And I can give you a preview for uh, October, November, and very very strong numbers. We've just not seen these before. Interesting. Talking about things we haven't seen before. We spent a little time talking about this chart. What we're looking at is, well, let me let me let Mike explain it, but unprecedented uh, performance here. Yeah, this is looking at September on a month over month basis. And we run this chart out to year 2000. You can see typically anywhere, uh, probably about three is a good number, three to three and a half percent dip on a month over month basis. Think about it. We're now in the fall season. We've had all the summer selling months over. It's back to school and the fall starts to go, you know, soften. soften and, and as I, as I tell people when I used to work at Hyundai, you got to remember there's winter in a lot of the parts of the country that we don't experience in Southern Cal. So things naturally slow down. Yeah. Uh, as Joe pointed out, uh, unbelievable effect. Instead of the traditional 3% drop, we saw a 4% lift in sales. Again, as I said to Joe, really speaking to the lack of inventory out there. Dealers are, are buying cars. Uh, we've touched on the rental, uh, the rental car companies not getting cars and their demand up, Joel. But I mean, they're making headlines. They're in the used car market looking for cars. Uh, I tell people, and it's anecdotal, but you'll hear this anecdotally a thousand times. If you go put your car on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace this weekend, for every 10 calls you get, eight will be from an auto dealer. I believe it. And there'll be strong calls too. Right. right. They're, 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 they're looking for inventory. They're looking for clean inventory that they can sell. Prices be damned as it gets scary. And I've talked to dealers of you paid what for what? You know, they've got to sell cars and people still need cars. We have a couple slides on on the wholesale price performance, premium price performance, breaking it down to segment level. What are your big takeaways from from these? You know, Mike? really, it, 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 you know, pricing is strong across the board. There's really no outliers in there. You, know, you get you get some different movements. I, I think the headline is, is you know, things like small car, compact car. Cars are coming back into vogue. While the, the transaction prices are up, we are starting to get into some more affordability issues out there. These, these SUVs and trucks are very pricey. So if you want something affordable, uh, a one or two or three-year-old, you know, compact mid-sized car is a great value relative to that same model year SUV. They're, they're pricey. I mean, they're just, it's pricey. So like anything else, they may not be the most popular segment, but they are an affordable segment. You know, we're, we're, we're long past the eight, you know, the, what, what's an entry level car anymore? It's really a used car. You're, you're well into close to 25,000 for an entry level new vehicle now. Yeah. It's a little bit different than the the Yugo for 3990. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, absolutely, no, absolutely. And you, you got to remember too, when we look particularly at compact cars or things like that, a lot of the manufacturers have gotten out of that business. I mean, yeah. they're just no longer producing passenger cars. So, I mean, there is some demand. People still want passenger cars. But again, if you if you look across, just super strong, just super strong numbers everywhere. And I'm, I'm popping through to the uh, auto finance origination data and insights because this is where 
things are going to come together on both the used and the new market in, in terms of you know how how are customers able to actually acquire these vehicles because in average uh, was it new or used? I thought it was what forty four thousand in that range. I mean, yeah. for most of that. us, you're most of us you're going to need to finance the vehicle. What are the options that are out there for you? So we're looking at a slide with the new and used vehicle resale retail sales by type. Sure, Joe. And I just want to make sure your audience knows when we look at new and used, uh, my the, the data we're presenting right now is is from franchise new car dealers. This doesn't speak for the whole world of used cars. Probably does for new, but these are this is origination data that came from the franchise new car dealers. But um, but that is a meaningful that is a meaningful point of view, right? Because you mentioned earlier and and it's obvious, right? If you if you're having problems acquiring inventory, you know, sell some some used vehicles, some units that maybe have lower mileage and are cleaner vehicles. The table had already been set, right? People were really interested in what Carvana and other kind of spot delivery services can kind of give you. I think they like the not have to haggle for the price and and have some feeling like they're buying almost like a CPO right from, from those exactly. from those folks. Exactly. So, and I, I think you know CarMax did a great job to start, but you've got you've got others like you said, is Carvana jumping into that space right there. So we don't have their data, but what what we tell our clients is this is all going to be directionally correct as we go through whether we talk APRs or loan terms or things like that. There's not really outliers uh, whether a new car dealer did it or a uh, used car dealer did it. it it's going to be very, very similar. Yeah, this first slide, Joel, just really speaks to what's what's the consumer's choice of financing. At a dealership, 80-some percent, 83% of all new vehicles sold on a retail basis are either financed or leased via the car dealer. We show in, in our data, we, we have a column there that says cash. Cash really signifies the dealer didn't finance it. We think about, or our data with TransUnion shows about 4% of new vehicle loans are from a direct lender and about 9% on the used car side are from a direct lending with a balance being, you know, cash or cash equivalents right there. Um, but but dealers are strong uh, there. This is, uh, we segments and, and really, again, these, these charts get a little busy, just some of the call outs. Uh, on the new car side, captives are continue to have the largest share at almost 54%. Uh, up from 50% in 2019. And we use 2019 as a benchmark of normalcy before COVID, before chip shortages. So they're up, but down dramatically from uh, 2020 when the the generous quarter two low APR programs are going. I think your audience will remember how to kickstart the economy. They all came out with zero for 84 and things like that and and really jumped in a lot of zero APR. On the the used car side, captives have really fallen back to 2019 levels for a while, they were doing more used car financing, but it was a function of generous CPO programs. The CPO programs, generosity, as well as the volume are no longer there. So it's more of an open market. There's no, it's not being incentivized. Banks have rebounded and, and banks really take or have taken back some of the, the captives losses in there. Uh, and we can see the banks clearly are the strongest in used cars, almost a 50% share. Uh, credit unions, they're up, they're up on the new vehicle side, but still below 19 levels. Credit union share is holding steady at about 20, 21% unused. The, the credit unions through 2019 had a very, very strong showing, but but or 2018, but started to fall off a little bit. I think some of them dialed back the origination. And I think we've had some research and some, some larger banks in place right there. Independence, that would be your uh, monoline non-prime primarily in there. They're, they're steady. Their share remains steady on new and they uh, facilitate about 12% of the uh, used car loans. 
banks and banks and credit unions are showing some interest in in this. Yeah, we we, we Joe, we show this chart in there to talk about how much zero APR there was, and you could see when we looked at October, you know, it, and if the periods ran out, this is the spike that we saw last year uh, jumping up in the first half of uh, 26, uh, 17% of all new vehicle loans at an APR zero, comparison only 5.4 in 2019 and 8% in 2018. We are seeing that subside. The, the manufacturers, quite frankly, with, with low levels of inventory, it cannot be as generous as, as yeah. 2% of uh, zero APR loans. That makes sense. Here we're looking at some uh, new and used financing credit mix. Yeah, here, Joel, we cut it. And the one data point that we don't get directly from the dealers, and that's credit scores. We partner up with TransUnion, and, and there's reasons why we don't get the credit scores from the dealers, partly because you can't reuse a credit score. But more importantly, there are three different credit credit bureaus and the dealers are on different versions of each. So we use FICO 08, which is the, the, the most common credit score, FICO 08 auto. And so TransUnion refreshes all the credits so we can we can do the stacking in there. We, we cut it into four tranches. I think you could say super prime, prime, non-prime, and then subprime with the uh, 619 and below. In the last two years we've seen, and again, this is a mix, credit quality is increasing at the higher ends and, and falling. It's not Fallen off the chart, but you can clearly see in 2019, subprime was about 10%. It's fallen to 7.4%. Used car, the story's a little bit different there. Similar to the 2019 numbers, a little movement between prime and super prime, but we don't see too much. Some non-prime pickup again within range. And relative to new car, used car subprime is holding steady, about 17%. And you can see that this time period, year to date, 2019, it was 17.4%. So it, it's holding pretty steady. Where, where yeah. we see the changes is higher levels of uh, high quality credit, new lower levels of uh, subprime. Subprime's been, been contracting for a very long time. The one chart that has not changed is is terms, which continue to grow. We, we really saw, Joe, a, a large acceleration in 2020 when some of the larger manufacturers slash captives introduced uh, 84 months at zero. You had a number of captives that really weren't even providing 84-month loans. So they jumped in. A, they got in and B, they had a lot of volume behind them. They they really lifted the needle in there. We saw, for a matter of fact, in 2020, we saw 84-month loans at almost 30% of the marketplace on new. That's wow. unprecedented. But again, speaking to primarily uh, Ford, uh, GM, and uh, Chrysler Capital, Stellantis, uh, with their with their trucks and and uh, eighty four month loans. But again, we we see it steady, and it's really an affordability. It's amazing how well these portfolios are performing for lenders. At Used Car Week, I talked about Q two results were out. Q three were starting to come out. You had lenders, large lenders, who had a negative credit loss for the quarter. Yep. You got to cut checks because you repoed, you know, the defaults actually garnered some overage. Some recoveries. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the recoveries offset the losses. It was amazing. So yeah. And that, look, that is even down to the smallest regional players. So, you know, I, I I try to stay in touch with as many lenders as I can. That is definitely the case in California here. I just moved to the slide on loan to value. And this is what we were talking about a little earlier. 
Sure. This is one that's had some dramatic changes in here. And again, it, remember, we're, we're mixing. So the sum, we, we sum up to 100% in here. It doesn't mean the aggregates are, are it's a little bit different. But we've seen the new and used car uh, loan advances continue to moderate in there. In, in the 121 and up bucket for both new and used, it peaked in uh, March of 2019 and is, it, it is really, really falling. Uh, ever since uh, this this that's term yeah you can see uh, really falling off and especially the, the, the highest advanced terms and then I think you could draw your line you could put it the other way Joel with the ninety uh, percent uh, and below I mean you can see yeah. that's the swap, that's the swap set right there you know again uh, you'll see you'll see those are probably more likely people that are trading in vehicles with good equities in them that can afford or the stock market's been great. There's a number of factors out there. There is money out there. I, you know, probably more on the anecdotal side, but you've got a lot of folks uh, in the last year where their travel budget has been greatly reduced if not taken to zero. So buy a car. This is from an overall market risk standpoint. This is the most meaningful thing that we could do as operators is to control these loaned values. Because look, we know the wholesale values are up. I was astonished to hear that lenders are not having to pick up a lot of the weight on that and dealers are still making profit. It's it's ultimately going out to the consumer. How do you make this happen? You extend the loan terms. I think this goes hand in hand with the extended loan terms. And having a lower LTV is going to give you a better quality portfolio. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we're 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 trending uh, two full years plus the current. If we went back, Joel, uh, fifteen to eighteen, we would just see that one twenty one and up bucket just climbing dramatically. You you saw the first down, downward movement in the in the highest LTVs happen in twenty again with some cautionary. I think when it first started to tighten, it was lenders were afraid of the future. You know, we we sat in May of twenty wondering what used cars were going to be worth if worth anything. Who knew? You know, was there going to be a, a just a plethora of defaults because people aren't working? Clearly that didn't happen. But lenders have been cautious in that area. You know, they're they're more it's, apt to do term, but they're very much controlling uh, the amount that they're financing. APRs have been have been kind of coming. They've been coming down across the board. Yep, yep. And and point out to your uh, uh, listeners and 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 readers online, Joel. You know, we use non captive rates. We don't want to muddy up pricing in there with zero percent or 0.9 financing. So these are we call them non captive rates. That would mean these rates are either from the banks, credit unions, independents, or they are the captives, non-Sabine rates, probably a better way to say it right there. But you can see in all the credit buckets, they've, they've been falling uh, in the last year. We've seen uh, thus far in 2021 uh, uh, on new vehicle, about 35, 36 basis point reduction. These are very, very attractive loans. Use on the other hand, fell about 48 basis points. And the difference there is use is a lot more crowded. You know, you saw banks have a 50% share, credit unions have a 20 some percent share. That's a more competitive landscaping out there. And uh, I, th- I think as many folks on the call know as a lender, there's two there's two ways to get business. It, it, it's uh, rate and risk. Folks really don't want to do risk right now. So, you know, you're, you're, it's very, it's very competitive on the rate side. As Joel just circled that on their really competitive forces, you know, at this writing, and I think we still believe for the balance of the year, the Fed is taking a more moderate stance. Uh, you know, we'll see in the last, you know, inflation came out again today at 6%. Last month, we 
saw it at six. Uh, does that make the Fed make a movement uh, sooner rather than later? But interestingly enough, you know, if your listeners uh, look at the bond market, the 10 years and, and like, they're, they're pretty stable right now. We're not seeing, and, and as I tell people, the Fed doesn't set auto rates, the market sets the rates, and the market yeah. is really yeah. not uh, moving, moving up too high. So now we're bringing it down to a conclusion. This is our overall conclusion, Michael. Yeah, for, for the auto finance outlook, uh, I think key point, very, very positive for lenders. Uh, the anticipated levels of COVID losses never materialize. And that, that's a huge thing. I, I get asked sometimes, especially Joel, when we got in those uh, rough periods, you know, lenders will, will hold off on originations. They worry about portfolios. That's a big driver. Um, yeah. And they'll they'll get originations later, but the house is in order. It's very, very good. The volumes have come back strong. You know, we do see, and again, I, I see a typo, Q4 have some challenges due to inventory. You can only finance what's out there. Captive share uh, uh, has fallen in 21, but still remains uh, higher than historical. Banks, as we've talked before, have come back on strong with lower APR uh, programs from the captives and CPO programs. So it's more of an open market. Credit union flat and stable. Uh, independence, they bottomed out 20, but they, they've come back. Leasing falling to 25. We don't see much movement in either direction. Uh, we'll do, we'll, we did see some downfalls in October, November below that. We're going to show November about 21%, but mm. more so a function of availability of inventory. And that's the hard part to, to calculate. Uh, the manufacturers aren't uh, feeding us with their inventory of, of inbound. We know what's on the ground. We don't know, you know what, what they're producing right now. Uh, and then lastly, the credit quality remains stable. LTVs are lower than pre-COVID. Strong used cars, uh, strong used cars value have really uh, helped to keep them lower. And pricing, while uh, you know near historical lows, is forecast to be stable throughout the year. So it, it's it's really really a great time. I would say the two cautionary pieces for the lenders are how much inventory do the dealers have that I can finance. It's probably the biggest one in there uh, on the swap set. The credit, the portfolios are looking very, very good, you know. And there is, you know, again, tightening on pricing. Probably all the lenders out there would love to be charging a little bit more, but the competitive market won't let them do that. You get a lot of questions from from operators saying, "Okay, I'm actually cutting checks for these recoveries because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm recovering the full value, but I'm having to really pay pretty penny, a premium, if you will, relative for my new originations." And so that that's a cash drain. So if I had a hundred units that rolled off my portfolio, I may not be able to originate another hundred units. It may be like 60, maybe 80. Sure, sure. How do I not get over my skis and how do I, you know, purchase vehicles today at this premium pricing without thinking in that 42 or whatever that your loss curves, you know, when things start really picking up, how do I keep myself from catching a falling knife? Yeah, I, I, I think you, you just gotta be, be diligent in your originations, uh, you know, and 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 not not be tempted to overreach with credit. Uh, I think you know pricing. Everybody has a has a has a floor that they can be at. Uh, you know, I think and you've got to moderate. We're gonna we're gonna see some changes. Inventory will pick up. These prices are going to get normal. I think to some folks, Joe, you've got to sit. You know, do I kind of sit on the sidelines a little bit and think this over and 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 take a pause? Uh, Maybe originate at a lower level and replenish the portfolio once the market conditions change. Exactly. And I think you know, a few years ago when subprime heated up, we saw a number of lenders said, basically, I'm not chasing the market anymore. Yeah. You know, volume be damned. 
you know, we, we, we've got to, whether it's our shareholders or our investors or whatever, we just have to tell them we're not comfortable with these levels and that we may need to moderate volume until a more rational market exists. You know, there, there is, for the most part, rationality in there. No one is off the charts on risk, but pricing is very, very thin. And, and you know, you've got to remember in a marketplace like this, you know, you've got the, the banks that can really, you know, get, get cheap funds out there. And what are the hurdle rates? Uh, you know, I mean, clearly, Joe, you can be in competition with somebody that says, uh, I just need to keep my people working, just like the manufacturers used yeah. to be the autos. They knew they weren't making any money on cars, but they got to keep the plants running. So you've got to assess your own situation and not, not, not chase things. Don't do unnatural acts. For folks that were just listening, you want to get a copy of the deck, Michael.Buckingham at jdpa.com. Michael is the Managing Director of Auto Finance at JD Power. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And folks, do reach out. And if you're if you're watching or listening to this on YouTube, you can see the whole thing with the slides. I did my best to try to carry it through and make it interesting and engaging. Michael, this is great. I would love to have you back on when we get some updates. How does that sound? We'll figure some time. Maybe early in the first quarter, we can do a recap or, you know, it, it, Joe, every month changes. It's, it's, uh, there's interesting dynamics going on. Just when you thought we couldn't get any lower or higher, we seem to do. <laughs> uh, this is so important to our ecosystem, getting this data and information out there. I thank you and the JD Power team. Very welcome, Joe. Thank you all for listening. The Consumer Five podcast has been brought to you by Northridge loan software that accelerates change. We'd also like to thank the National Automotive Finance Association, the only trade association exclusively serving the non-prime auto financing industry.